we're going to go ahead and get started um, get started tonight. Moana, make way, make way. Those are the opening lines um, in the song. If you haven't seen the movie Moana, by the way, or at least listen to the soundtrack, I would recommend going ahead and going to do that. Um, because if not, I mean, you'll be able to follow along because we don't apply that much. But it'll just be cooler if, if you've seen it. But those lines in that are, are, are the opening of the song, Where You Are, in the movie Moana. They, they start out like that. Um, and in this movie, Moana is, is seen, um, there she is right there in the middle. Uh, she is seen as somebody by her father, as somebody who's going to come into the city, and, and, or come into the village and take over as chief. When the father dies or when the father retires, there's going to need to be a new chief, a new leader to take over and run the village just like it had always been run. And this whole song is about this idea of where Moana has her heart drawing her this way, but the entire time they're all sitting here and saying, you know, Moana, look where you are. Look at the village around you. Look how we've done things. Look at how great things are. Look at how wonderful um, of a place this village is, Moana. Just look where you are and you will see that you need to embrace your village, that you need to understand that you are going to one day be the leader, that you are going to be the ruler. And, and, and it's the goal is to try to convince her to start to try to be a ruler of the video. A line or of, of the video of the village. Um, a line in the song goes, "Our tradition is is your mission. Our tradition is your mission." And Moana, there's so much, there's so much to do. That's all you need. It's this whole idea of Moana. Look, I know you look out the ocean. I know you see a lot out there, and I know that you think that there's a lot that you can do. But Moana, what you actually need, what your mission actually is, is right here. In this village, it's this idea of, hey, we've done something for a very long time. Since the beginning, we've been doing this. Or since the beginning, you find out later in the movie. Spoiler, it's not been since the beginning. But, but since the beginning, or for a very long time, they've done this, and it's going to be like this forever. And Moana's starting to get convinced of this. And then it pans out to the grandmother. She's sitting there, and, and she's dancing by the beach. And she starts singing um, a, a few lines herself, but she in her mind has something different going on. She tells Moana, look, Moana, what I need you to do right now is listen to the voice inside. Because I know that, that your voice is not the same as like what the rest of your village is telling you you need to do. And Joseph has a very similar story to Moana. And I know you're sitting there thinking, okay, uh, okay, Ben, you're you're being ridiculous right now. Comparing Joseph and Moana is ridiculous. There's no correlation. There's no way in the world that you can compare these two wonderful heroes together. And I would say, oh, just wait for it. Go ahead and be opening up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37, we are going to be there um, this evening. Um, if you saw on the Instagram story earlier today, uh, if you don't follow the Instagram, I don't know the name, but it's right here. It's at Southgate under slash SM. So you need to go follow it because we post a ton of stuff on there that you need to know about. Um, but but if, you, if you saw what I posted on there earlier, Becca and I are now 
Becca and I are now sharing the Instagram. Um, and so like all the cool stuff is her, all the lame stuff is me. But one thing I posted on there um, was like, hey, bring your Bible tonight. I would love for this class this summer to be a time where we just come. And, and if you have your phone Bibles tonight, that's totally cool. But I would love for like for the future in this class to be a thing where we can walk in and open up and set our phones to the side and put them on do not disturb and have it be a time where we're entirely focused uh, on the scripture and that, that random Snapchat or Instagram message or text is not going to distract us. Um, so just something to keep in mind for next week. That would be awesome if you had a paper Bible. Um, for a very long time, like since early February, I've been excited about this class. I've been excited about getting to, to dig into the story of Joseph and look at it in a way, at least I know this week and some of next week, hopefully in a way that you may have never read the story of Joseph with before, maybe a different idea. And I'm excited to be going into this class during the summer. The summer is great because you guys haven't been at school all day and all your friends don't have school tomorrow. So there's zero excuse for you to like not be like, hey, let's go to class on Wednesday night because this is gonna be like the highlight of every week for me personally. Um, and so I hope that it can be the highlight for you and I hope that you can grab friends and just say, you know what, we're gonna go and see how far we can go to Southgate. Um, and it's gonna be insane. Um, but I want us to start reading, I just want us to read verse one together really quickly. It says, Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. Okay, so we're gonna stop at the end of verse one. Chapter one, or chapter 37, starts out this story, starts out the story of Joseph and, and places it in the land of Canaan, this beautiful land, this lush land that is so known that eventually the Israelites are going to call the promised land when they're fleeing out of Egypt. Um, uh, but this beautiful, wonderful land that is so well described. And, and he had had, he's living in this land, and, and it's been the generations, right? Abraham and Isaac, and now Jacob are living in this land. It's generation after generation after generation. It's starting to become sort of like the village in Moana, right? This idea of this is where we are, this is what we do, this is where we live. It's becoming their place to live. And, and there are these sons of Jacob that we're going to get to in just a minute. We're not going to read them yet. Uh, but what the sons of Jacob and the sons of the, and the like the job of these the sons of Jacob, you got to remember, Jacob was was filthy rich. Right. So his dad had a lot of money. Jacob then also had a lot of money. And so here they are and, and they had all this livestock. And so the job of the kids, um, all these many, many sons, uh, 12 uh, were to watch over the flocks in the field. It's just kind of what they did. It was a family tradition that had taken place. Jacob did it when he was. Um, in the process of getting older. And so here he is saying, hey, young men, my sons, I want you to do this. And I want you to keep in mind as you go through this story, this family is already dysfunctional. This is like very complicated if you look at it. Um, but when you look at Jacob here, you can just see that this family is, is insane. That they're, they're, uh, If you remember back in their story, their dad, so Jacob, all these sons, we're, we're thinking about the sons here. Their dad tricked uh, their grandfather into giving him the family blessing. Um, and then after he got the family blessing, he was so scared that his brother was going to murder him that he took off across the countryside to hundreds of miles to a faraway land where he married not one but two sisters that were his cousins. 
And so it's like a very, and then he has two concubines that give birth to a few other sons. And so you can imagine that, that in this story, there's, there's a ton of rivalry and jealousy between wives and, and all these types of things. But then if you think about this family history as well, they have a tendency of showing favorites. They have a tendency, if you remember, uh, the parents of Jacob and Esau each had their own favorite child. They, they were all about taking up favorites in this situation. And this is going to end up coming back to bite them a little bit down the road. Um, and, and at this point, this family is just beyond dysfunctional. They're incapable of living in a normal life. Verse 2. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pastoring in the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Um, I think a lot of times when we read this whole like story of Joseph, when we think about it and, and we're listening to it and, and we read it and we hear it as kids and we... You know, always picture the coat of many colors and, and all that he did in Egypt. Don't worry, we'll get to that in the future. Um, and all these things that Joseph did in this time, we think like, hey, Joseph's a good dude. Joseph is like the hero of scripture. He's one of those guys that we look at who just never messed up. But I, when I read this and, and what we're about to see is, is Joseph's not a perfect guy. Joseph's not everything. As a matter of fact, I want us to read this story in just a moment in a different light. But to set the stage... I want us to realize Joseph was, if you caught it, 17 years old. Now, 17 is like pretty, I'm going to say young. A lot, who in this room is 17? Raise your hand if you're 17. One, two, a few of you are 17. Um, Joseph would be your age. Or maybe you're 16, or maybe you're 15, or maybe you're 18. No matter what age you are, uh, if you're in that little area, Joseph is one of your peers. Joseph is 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 walking the halls at your school. If Joseph lived in Columbia, Tennessee right now and happened to come to Southgate Church of Christ, he wouldn't be in any other classroom. He would be sitting in the middle of this classroom. He would be hanging out with you guys. He, he would be going out to eat. He would probably be playing street hockey with us. And, and he would be a pal. If, if you look at me when I was 17, this is what I looked like. Um, that was intense. We're gone. Um, <laughs> And we would assume that, you know what, Joseph's a good dude. We're going to be friends with this guy. Why wouldn't be, we be friends with this guy? We want to hang out with him all the time. Or would we? See, it says that Joseph uh, brought back... <laughs> oh, dangerous. Uh, Joseph brought back a bad report to his father about his other brothers. And so a lot of times when we read that, we're like, man, those brothers would be a bunch of jerks. There's no way that those brothers are doing anything good. They were, they were evil brothers. The, the rest of the brothers were just jealous of Joseph. They were just mad at him. And, and so they were doing a lot of bad things. But here's the thing that is interesting to me when I read this story. The Hebrew word that is used here for report is dibba. And dibba doesn't actually mean like, he brings back a very truthful, honest report that, that explains exactly what the brothers were doing. Actually, it means the total opposite. See, dibba means slander, defamation, and an evil report. So when we read this and when we read it in like the context of what the original writer was thinking about, he was sitting here and saying, hey, Joseph came back to his father and, and told his father this tale that was, that was just not true. Now, I'm not saying that, that the tale that, that Joseph told was entirely fake, 
But according to what the, the writer that wrote in the original text said, is that Joseph brought back a tale that, that he had twisted a little bit. He had made it so it was a way that the brothers were put in a, a light that was not positive. The brothers were lied about to make look to make to look like they were worse than they were. And in the Hebrew, it's clear that something was misleading in the story of Joseph in this point. And suddenly we're going to see a theme start to develop. It's going to go on and it's going to lead to what's about to take place um, that, is, that, that we know, if you've read this story before, that, that's going to lead to some crazy events um, that are going to happen. Because we're about to see a 17-year-old kid who is incapable of getting along socially with people. And you might be sitting there saying, Ben, how are we going to pull that out of this? Where do you see that? Well, one, he's sitting and he's coming back and he's telling his dad lies about his brothers or twisting a story about his brothers. So essentially, he's a 17-year-old, a teenager, kid who likes to tattle on his brothers. It's awful when a five-year-old does it. It's more awful when a 17-year-old does it that makes up or exaggerates what you are doing wrong to get you in extra trouble. And to add on to that, the brothers probably knew that Joseph was doing this because the second the brothers would walk home, there's no way their father wouldn't sit there and say, boys, I've heard what you've been doing out in the field. Your brother Joseph has told me that, that you're out here and you're doing all these evil things. They know that Joseph is sitting here feeding their father lies. And then verse 3 takes place, and, and I can't help but think that if, if I was one of the brothers, that this would make me more mad than anything else, like more angry than the lies that were told. Verse 3 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. Now, you might be sitting there right now thinking, okay, Ben, the thing that that's making you mad is the fact that he gives him the robe. Like, how elementary is, like, your jealousy for the coat of many colors? Uh, you got to imagine the older brothers in this instance. They're thinking, wait a minute, the younger brother who rats us out for things that we didn't do is my father's favorite, and suddenly we're sitting here, and he's making our brother, our father is making our brother a coat of many colors? This coat that, that is so beautiful and so elaborate and so oftentimes... When we think about this story, we think about the, the children's perception of this coat was a, and, and I'm not saying that, that, that this is like, this is just not necessarily taught, but the, the robe that we're taught is, is often just like, man, it's a pretty coat of colors. That was a gift from, from Jacob to his son Joseph as this idea of, of sincere favoritism. Um, and we think about it, and even when I was doing some research and looking at pictures for the PowerPoint, you see this image of a coat of many colors that comes to his knees and to his elbows. Now, why does that mean anything? Because in this culture, a coat of many colors, this coat that would, that would sit there and have all these colors on it and be an elaborate coat, was also one that would come down to your, your wrists and come down to your ankles. And when, the, when a person was wearing those things to his wrists and to his ankles, it meant that he was not capable of going out into the field. Instead, if you were wearing one of these, these cloaks that came to your ankles or ankles and wrists, what it would mean is that you are suddenly the overseer of the workers. 
And so when, when Jacob gives Joseph this coat, it's not just giving him this, this cloak that's saying, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to take this cloak that, that's, that's going to be worn and, and you're going to look cooler than your brothers. As a matter of fact, when he gives him this cloak, he's sitting here and saying, what you're going to do is you're going to take this cloak and you're going to be the boss. You're going to be the overseer of your brothers. And so suddenly the older brothers have a little brother who tells false stories about him and who is their boss and overseer. When we know those things, verse 4 makes a lot more sense. It says, But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. It says the brothers could not even speak in peace to Joseph. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine disliking somebody so much that, that even if you dislike them, if they walked in the room, you could not say a kind word to them because you could not stand that person that much. They loathed Joseph. They hated him with everything they had, and they didn't want to be near him. And at this point, I think I can kind of understand where the brothers are coming from. I think I can kind of understand the frustration that they're feeling as they're sitting here watching their younger brother be the favorite and, and tell lies and, 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 and become their boss. I think I can understand why they don't want to be near him. And all of this is leading up to a, like, a huge storyline that's about to take place in the story of Joseph. If you think back to Moana, I know we've been everywhere. But you remember in the movie Moana when she gets done singing this song, um, Where You Are, and she's like, you know what, I'll be the leader of my country. And she, and she goes and she like, wears the crown thing on her head and, and wears like a nicer dress thingy. I don't know what it is. Uh, but she, she goes through all that, and then they say, Moana, we have a problem. She's like, what is it? They bring out the rotten coconuts. And they open them up and they show, um, look, Moana, we, we are no longer going to have a crop of our coconuts. They're, rot they're rotting, they're, they're dying, and all the coconut trees are rotting and dying. And all the fish are dying. And everything is dying. And well, Moana knew what had to take place. Moana knew in that moment, look, we're going to have to go somewhere else. We're going to have to go out on this island. And it kind of rekindles the fire for her to go out and, and see the world. But nobody's going to listen to her because she's suggesting something crazy and what's about to happen in Joseph is a similar situation is about to take place we get to dream number one of the life of Joseph it says in verse 5 now Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers they hated him even more he said to them hear this drum that I had or hear, hear this drum hear this dream that I had dreamed behold we were binding seven sheaves in the field and behold my sheep arose and stood upright and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And I want us to stop right there. I want you to imagine Joseph for a minute right, right now and, and the, the light that, that we are seeing him in tonight as we read this story. And I want you to imagine for a moment Joseph already feeling a little bit high on himself because he's been made boss of his brothers, strolls into the room, probably flowing his coat, doing a few spins, you know, that type of thing, whatever he wants. And he comes up to them and he says, oh, by the way, I had this dream I'm going to rule over you one day and you're going to bow down to me. You being my uh, inferior is not enough. Me being your boss is not enough. You're going to bow to me. Do you think that sounds awful 
I think for the brothers, it was. And it would be so easy if you were a brother to rear back and, and punch that little punk kid Joseph in the face as hard as you could. Because he would be getting on your last nerve. But that's not all. We get to dream number two. Joseph does not know how to not talk. Verse 9. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, notice his father was there this time, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Joseph walks in, this time to his father, this time once again to his brothers, and shares another dream. And you've got to know at this moment, Joseph is starting to feel the distaste from his family. To a point when even his father rebukes him and says, it says his father rebuked him and said, what are you talking about, Joseph? And you've got to know that Joseph is suddenly starting to feel a little bit down and a little bit in a rough situation and honestly from what I've read so far if I was anyone else but Joseph in this story I would be thinking this Joseph kid isn't too likable and I'd say that if Joseph were to walk into this youth group he would not necessarily be well liked if Joseph were to come in and sit down among us right now in the same fashion that he was in this story, and he were to walk in and sit here and, and come in and say, you know what, one day I'm going to be the boss of all of you. You know what, I'm going to be in charge of all of you one day. And it was a constant arrogance of him saying he's better than us. I'm going to say that we want to enjoy being around him. See, do we enjoy hanging out with people who are arrogant? Do we enjoy spending time with people who make up stories about you to get you in trouble? Do we enjoy when those people are, for some reason, the teacher's favorite kid, even though they're a jerk to everyone else? When I look at this life of Joseph, I, I want us to be able to take two things and apply it to ourselves, and they're, they're sort of similar, but I want us to, to look into this. Thing number one, in order to be liked, we can't be arrogant. In order to be liked, we can't be arrogant. Now, you might be sitting there saying, okay, Ben, what does this mean? I, I don't understand why you're sitting here saying uh, that we need to be liked. Um, when I say the phrase, okay, we need to be liked in, in order to, or in order to be liked, we can't be arrogant. Being liked is important. Why? What's our mission in Christianity? Um, if you're if you're sitting here today in the United States of America being like, Ben, I thought you said that we need to face trials of a lot of kinds and, and all that fun stuff. I, I We talked about that. James clearly says that. But the question is, in, in our world today, what is the reason that we might need to be liked? See, if we want to fulfill our mission of reaching souls, we can't be somebody who people look at and just don't like. We can't be somebody who people look at and, and can't stand and it and, and, and might not necessarily, uh, it can't, if we are the reason that people don't like us because of our attitude towards them, that's where the problem is. If we make people angry like Joseph did in this story, or like Moana, if you remember from the movie Moana, when she said that she wanted to sail and her dad like grabbed her and said, no, 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 we're not doing this. Um, 
I don't know if that's what he actually said. I don't think it, it was. But, but it was that gist of things. But if we make people mad in that instance, our mission is not going to go anywhere. If we want to reach souls and we act like teenage Joseph, 17-year-old Joseph was acting in this story, we will not reach any souls because people simply won't want to be near us. Joseph was annoying during his teenage years, and people hated him. They did not want to be around him, and they could not speak in peace to him. We have to lose an arrogant attitude, and, and this youth group is phenomenal in that they're, I don't know if I've met any of you who are just beyond arrogant, but if we go to school and we're arrogant, or we go anywhere else and we're arrogant, we have to lose that attitude if we want to make a difference in the kingdom. And, and this is similar, but thing number two, God's plan was revealed through Joseph, but because of his attitude, nobody cared. If you, if you remember in the movie Moana, 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 um, it's about cows. Um, if you remember in the movie Moana, um, in that song, Where You Are, what some of the lyrics are, she finally sings in the lyrics, so, I'll, so here I'll stay, my home, my people beside me, and when I think of tomorrow, there we are. She accepts a mission that she does not fully believe in. And she was being taught to stay where you are. Moana, where are you going to stay? Uh, well, I'm going to stay right where I am. And Joseph is trying to accept this fact. He's trying to, to accept this fact of, you know, maybe I am just this lowly brother. Maybe I am just the guy who's, who's going to be the boss of, of my brothers. And that's about the farthest I'm going to get. But in honesty, people don't want to listen to me. People don't want to hear what I have to say. And he's trying, he, he's trying to state the fact that I, I am, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Look, brothers, look, here I am. I am, I am so strong. I have this, these dreams, and I think they mean something, and, and you should listen to them. But nobody cares. When we try to spread the love of Jesus to other people with an attitude that is arrogant and obnoxious, people are going to look at us and not care. They're going to laugh at us, laugh in our faces, and hate us with everything they have. I want to ask the question, in what ways are we arrogant? In what ways are we arrogant? See, I think it's so easy for us to think about arrogance in, in, in a way where we're sitting there and we're like, yeah, man, they uh, won a game and they're just like bouncing around and rubbing it on my face and saying they're the best and all those things. And in our minds, I think it's so easy for us to be like, man, that is arrogance. That is the definition of what arrogance is. And I don't want to deal with that. They're bragging nonstop and, and they're a jerk and, and I just don't want to be around them because I don't want to be with somebody who thinks that they're the best thing that's ever walked on the face of the planet. But I want to ask us tonight, when you search your brain, when you think about who you are at school, or when maybe you have a job and you think about who you are at, at your job, or, or wherever you might be, maybe it's even here, in this youth group, in what ways are you arrogant? Do you find yourself acting like you're better than the person next to, is, next to you? 
is spiritually. Well, you know what? I, I, I'm going through my life like this, um, and, and I feel like I'm doing pretty well. If you look at the person who's sitting next to me in church, like compared to them, I'm the ultimate Christian. I, I'm a lot better than they are spiritually. So like, I'm set. I'm good to go. Or, or as you're going to study with somebody. Now, let me just tell you what. I know a lot. You probably don't know a lot. So let me just teach you what you need to hear. Do we think that we're more intelligent than people around us? Well, you know, that person, I could, I could listen to them, but to be honest, they don't make straight A's and I do. So why would I listen to a thing that they say, oh, they make, they make C's? I make B's. What a total loser they are. Like, they, they're not even competing with me. Maybe we think that we are more intelligent than other people are. We don't even have to say it, but it, it just comes across that we feel that way. Do we simply talk down to people? We look at somebody and, and we talk to them in a way that, that makes them feel inferior, that makes them feel worse than they should. And, and, and it's so easy to look at someone and be like, oh, that's the definition of bullying. But it's so much more. Do we look at people with an arrogance and a willingness to say like, man, you're failing this. You're not doing well here. You're, you're awful. Why are you even doing that? Why do you feel like you can stand up and do this right now? You're not anything, man. You're nothing. Do we simply talk down people or maybe we're arrogant enough to sit next to somebody and turn our shoulder away from them and just ignore them as they're sitting there and and trying to get to know you trying to reach out to you but instead of being willing to sit there and love them and talk to them and be close to them and, and be and, and make a connection in a relationship with them we sit there and we turn our shoulder to what's comfortable to us and we say you know what I'm good enough I don't need you near me maybe you're arrogant in another type of way but no matter which way you might feel that you're arrogant, when it comes back, when it comes back to Joseph, Joseph was unable to show where he was. He was unable to sit there and say, here I am. He was unable to show where he was because of who he was as a teenager. And because of who he was as a teenager, because of the attitude that he had towards a lot of things, Joseph was unable to share the message that God was sending him through his dreams because of where he was on a maturity level. God literally sent him dreams that predicted the future, that, that told him his plan, that sat there and stated that, Joseph, look, this is what's going to happen. This is going to be the result of what takes place in our world. This is what the future holds. And Joseph had the answer to all of God's future that he had in store for them in his hands. And he was trying to tell his brothers, but because of the way Joseph presented it, because of his attitude and the way he approached it, his brothers looked at him and hated him and could not stand to listen to the message of God. Where are you? Tonight I, look, I challenge you to look at yourself to determine where you are. Are we at a place that in our life if we were to stand up and we were to say, hey, I'm a Christian. Let me tell you about this message that I have. Let me tell you about this God that I serve. Let me tell you about this Jesus that came to earth and died and rose that saved us from our sins. Where people will look at you and say, I don't want to hear the message that you're giving me because you're an arrogant jerk. 
I don't want to hear the message that you're giving me because you have constantly shunned me and you have constantly rejected me and you have, you have constantly made me feel like I'm nothing. And they just walk away and don't listen. Are we that unconscious child like Joseph was that's unable to share the word of God because of the way we treat people and the attitude that we have when sharing the word of God? Are we at a place where when we stand up and we say, hey, let me tell you about the God that I serve. Let me tell you about how much he loves me and about how Jesus came to earth and died and raised from the dead. You're like, man, the way you treat me, your attitude in doing this, the way you love people, the way you approach people is in a way that I want to get on board with what you're doing. And if they don't even want to get on board, they're willing to sit there and listen because we treat them with the love and care that we're commanded of from the love of God. Where are you tonight?